You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpehawken Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. And we're so happy to have Rachel here. Welcome, Rachel. It's so good to be here. It really does feel like a family reunion. Thank you for that kind word, Allison, wherever you are. So many old friends and uh, a chance to meet new ones. Um, and this space is like, it's so good to see you guys here in this bigger space. It's like, it, it suits you and you're filling up the room already. That's exciting. So as you probably already know, we've been considering some common, commonly held beliefs uh, this season. Things that are just sort of out there in the culture. Maybe you've you you might have even heard them at some point in a in a church or religious setting too. And so these are like we're calling it things Jesus never said because a lot of a lot of people kind of generally believe these things and sometimes like associate it with the Christian faith. But it turns out they are they are not things that Jesus ever said. And so we're we're looking at them this season because we want to clear up our own misunderstandings and think about um, what Jesus actually did say. That's the goal. Um, so the, th- this one for tonight is you have to do what's best for your family. You guys ever heard that one? I know I have a lot, a lot. And I think that I used to believe it. I think we are very culturally steeped in this, in this understanding that we have to do what's best for our family. Um, and it's kind of instinctual for most of us. But Jesus definitely didn't say it. And in fact, he says uh, like the total opposite. I think to free us of our fearful selves, not necessarily to not take care of our families. But here's what he does Here's what he does say. Can somebody read that out loud for us, nice and loud, from Matthew 10 and 12? Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. He replied to to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. But whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Thanks, Ravi. So I just, when I read those again this week, I just wanted to say, like, wow, Jesus. Like, could you be any edgier? Um, Don't you know you're going to make a lot of enemies with that kind of message or simply get ignored a lot? Couldn't you soften it a little? Um, That's how I felt when I watched this scene in the new Mary Magdalene movie, which I'm a little bit obsessed with. I think you you really need to see it if you haven't seen it yet. Joachim Phoenix is Jesus. 
What shall I teach? We're so different from men, you must teach us different things. We are women. Our lives are not our own. Your spirit's your own. And you alone answer for that. And your spirit is precious to God. As precious as that of your husband, your father. Then who should we obey? If God commands one thing. But our husbands, our fathers, tell us another. You must follow God. So are we to defy them and leave our lives behind? Yes. Though they judge you, persecute you, but you must forgive them. So Jesus is just putting it out there. And, you know, because of this message, Jesus does get ignored a lot, right? Um, I think that's exactly what he not only made a lot of enemies, he got ignored a lot. And I think that's really what we see in, in the culture, unfortunately, even in the church sometimes, because we're so culturally steeped in the expectation and obligation to look out for our families like we look out for ourselves. It's just the honorable thing to do, right? It's the right thing. I like that. But my problem with it is that it's usually sometimes motivated by fear um, that if we don't look out for our families, nobody will. It, you know, as if we are our own gods. And that slavery to our fearful selves, I think, is what Jesus is really trying to turn around. Because we can see how this fear justifies all kinds of war and weaponry um, and greed that individualism thrives on. Jesus is trying to show us a better way, I think, a way of trust in God that frees us not just to care for our families, but to care for the whole world. I think he's trying to ask the question, how do you even know what's best for your family? He's trying to get us to give up some of that fear of scarcity, of, of not getting our needs met, um, so that we can love him and others with abandon, which really does free us. I was really raised on the honor thing and the family thing, like heavy duty. I was raised in an Italian family um, where family is everything, literally everything. And you hear this in every conversation, AKA lecture from your parents from day one. It applies to everything from looking out for your siblings on the school bus to making sure the helping the meal get on the table every night. And my dad was also a military commander. And so I was steeped in the philosophy that the greatest honor in the world was to protect your family, too, even if you had to die for it. What it meant to be a woman in this context was not ever to have authority over a man. Um, it was to cook and raise children and make your whole life about caring for your family, which I actually love to do. Um, I was going to look for a picture of an Italian mom serving dinner, 
um, to our family, and then I realized, hey, wait, I have one of those in, in, my, gra- in my grandmother's apron. So I don't have to make fun of other people. I can make fun of myself. I love to take care of my family. Um, now that my kids are pretty independent beings, um, one of my greatest joys in life is still packing their lunches for school. I'm not even joking. I, I, it gives me an inordinate amount of joy, uh, and I'm going to be a mess when they go off to other parts of the world to do brave and wonderful things. So the point I'm trying to make to you is that I was literally raised on the phrase, you have to do what's best for your family. And I think lots of us were. It's kind of the national anthem. You're, you're a success. You're a good person if you do what's best for your family. So when God called me to be a pastor, I wasn't sure what to do with that. It brought up all my honor and family stuff. Like, was it even right for women to do that? What with the Apostle Paul preaching against it and uh, my parents raising us against it and, and every church that I have ever been in, aside from us, <laughs> saying that it was wrong. Also, I was not willing to not be the best wife and mom that I could be. Um, And my poor husband was also raised on the same ideas about family and gender and honor. So how is this going to work in our relationship? How could I ask him to sacrifice so much as a man and as a, a partner? Saying yes to God and our community about being a pastor did not seem like what was best for my family. So I had to go deeper into this relationship of trust that I think Jesus is calling all of us into. I had to study the Bible for real and seek good counsel. I had to admit that maybe I didn't know what was best for my family if God had this new idea and was making me a new creation. I had to admit that I loved Jesus more than my old ideas and let that love grow. And I can honestly say that I have not regretted that. Now the faith of my kids and Jeff reminds me of the truth of Jesus' words, that he's creating, he's expanding our sense of family. He's making this giant family in the world because they keep, they inspire me because they keep welcoming others in now. So Jesus is really calling us into a bigger family by way of this spiritual rebirth, by way of trusting him to save us. It goes even deeper than bloodlines. And we're we're called to grow the family like spiritual parents, all of us, to be fruitful and multiply, to bear children, so to speak, by making disciples of Jesus. I think that's what he was talking about when he made his poor mom and brothers wait outside. He was, he was calling out the value in all those other people that he cared about that were there. And that's a good thing, obviously. <laughs> but I imagine it didn't feel great to be Jesus' mother and brother in that moment. And, and maybe I'm projecting my own stuff onto them. But I think there was some tension there. 
And I think we often face moments of tension like that with our families today, nuclear or extended. And I know it sounds dramatic, but hanging with Jesus in that tension might be the picking up our cross that Jesus is talking about. And it does lead to new life. I remember the first time that I told my extended family that I wasn't going to come home for the Christmas Eve seven fish Italian tradition because I wanted to be at our candlelight vigil here in Philly, which is coming up really soon. I wanted to be planting the church with you all and celebrating the birth of Christ, which is the greatest. That's what I really wanted to do, and I think that following Jesus actually frees us to follow our first love. Um, But it didn't feel great to tell my extended family that I wouldn't be there. And it didn't feel great to miss that seafood dinner with all the funny traditions that we have around it. It also didn't feel great to see my nuclear family struggle with the decision to move back to South Philly a few years ago. I felt pretty sure that Jesus, I felt very sure that Jesus was leading us there to plant the church in that area. So you all could have Pastor Julie up here, you lucky ducks. But my husband loved the wood stove that he had put in our house in Germantown. And he loved chopping the wood for the stove and buying axes and chainsaws (laughs) to chop the wood. And my kids weren't really sure that this was going to be a good move for them either. So it was hard to feel like I was dragging them because I like to make people happy, especially them. I like to do what's what I think is best for my family. But Jesus had a bester best in mind. And I think they feel that now. I think that we also influence our extended families in good ways when we when we hang on to this bigger idea about creating family with Jesus. I had a chance to take a trip to Italy with my dad last year and to visit our little hometown in the mountains. That's the hometown. And it was lovely. My siblings were so amazed that we could do it without arguing about politics the whole time because we, we could not have more different views. My brother was like, how did you do it? You know, hang out with dad for... 10 days and not get into fights all the time. And I said, first of all, I was in Italy. How mad can you be in Italy? (laughs) And secondly, I guess I really have been transformed by the love of Christ among us by soaking in this community. And my dad kept saying it too. Like, you're so calm and patient, which is different from how I once was. Um, which I largely attribute to Jesus in all of you. And so so even though I still miss lots of family, I, I have that reputation as the one in the family that doesn't make it to most family gatherings because they still schedule them on Sunday and are surprised that I can't come. Even though that's the case, we have good relationships, and I really value that.
I'm not telling you all these stories about myself to sound like I have it all together or that it's not hard to follow Jesus because neither of those things are true at all. The point I'm trying to make is that organizing your life around Jesus and his mission is actually the best thing you can do for your family, in my humble opinion. It expands all of us, even when they don't realize it. They will be blessed by you being a better lover, more present emotionally, spiritually, as you grow in Christ, even if you can't do all the things that they want you to do. And you'll do that if you're in this vulnerable position of needing more love to share, which we always need to expand this family. We purposely put ourselves in that position by doing things that are hard enough to require God. Making a big, giant family like this is hard enough to require God. I couldn't make it to the Village Parenting Day yesterday, but I loved the pictures that Julie posted. There are so many things. As you know, there are so many things that keep people isolated and divided. Differences of opinions and experiences, past hurts, fears of not being enough or having enough, fear of conflict. So getting together like this all the time is a miracle. Being committed to loving each other and making room for the next person is a real serious testament to the powers that be that Jesus is alive and has a place of operation in the world. It's a whole... It's a whole new economy of freedom that we are being invited into. That's what our cells are all about. That's what our common fund is all about. A way of love, a way of trust, a way beyond our fears of scarcity, of not getting our needs met. We're no longer obligated to just do what's best for our families. Or even on our own to figure out what best is. Now we embody what's best by being a big, inclusive family together. Let me pray for us, and then we'll talk back. Jesus, thank you for knowing what's best, even when we don't know it ourselves yet. I pray that you would um, help us not to be afraid not to live in scarcity. Help us to keep relying on you to create and nurture and welcome others into this big family that you are making all over the world. Help us to know that we are part of it because we belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.